Good morning, everybody. How are you today? This is great, isn't it? It's great in here. <laughs> I just uh, I just come from uh, speaking at a service at. Um, boy, I'm off center there. A lot of people have been saying that about me lately. <laughs> and uh, I I just I just came. I, I spoke at Swede Bend this morning, which is a small church on the uh, campground at Twin Lakes. No air conditioning. We had a full house. How many fans? One. <laughs> and it wasn't blowing in my direction either. <laughs> oh, it's good to be here, isn't it? It's good to, what a great crowd today. What a wonderful, wonderful uh, congregation this morning. This is gonna be a great day. I just know it. I, I just, there's some of these days that you just feel it. You just feel it in your spirit that it's going to be a great day and that God is going to be doing some really good things in his house. So I want to begin by reading from the word here from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, which simply says, Therefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon his grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourself to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, be ye also holy in your conduct. Because it is written, for holy I am holy. And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourself therefore the time of your stay in fear, knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold or aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. As a lamb without blemish and without spot, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times to you, who through him believe in God, was raised from the dead, and give him glory that your faith and hope are in God. That's where we are today, folks. We're looking for the revealing of Christ. We're living in his presence and under the shadow of the Almighty, we are privileged people, honored to be his children. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for raising up this church and these people and this congregation. And Father, we come here today with an excitement in our spirit and in our heart because first of all, we know you're here with us. And second, we know that you have some good things that you're going to lay out in front of us that we can respond to, that we can receive, that we can enjoy, that's going to touch our hearts, our lives. You, in fact, Father, we believe that today you're going to even change people's lives. Whatever they came in here with, whatever burden, whatever was on their heart, whatever was on their mind, whatever is going on in their life, Father, you are going to be a transforming God today, and you're going to change people. So, Father, I thank you today. Thank you for this great moment of meeting together. I pray this in Jesus' name. Um, I want to amen. share my message whatever time I have left. And... Um, I want to ask you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, I want to talk about an open door. 
Paul has been traveling, and Paul traveled a lot. And in his travels, he was instrumental in starting churches. He was instrumental in placing leadership in, in charge of, of churches. Uh, Paul was an incredibly active man. He was not a guy that just sat on the side of the road hoping that something was going to happen. Paul was on the move. And he realized, I think he realized, and I feel, I feel the same realization, I guess, is the fact that there is so much to be done and so little time to get it done. And so we need to be engaged. We need to be active. And listen to what he says here in relation to, uh, to being involved in what was happening at Ephesus. Verse 9, just one verse only today. For a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. A great and effective door has been opened to me, and there are many adversaries. You know, I look at the world today, and I, I think you probably do too in many ways. We probably all do it a little differently. I try to, I don't know, I don't always get this accomplished, two to three different news sources every day, just looking at, keeping track, I guess, of what is happening in our, in our culture, in our world, in our country, even in our community. And I'll tell you what, some days it's just absolutely breathtaking. You gasp at what you see and what you hear. And, and I have often said, I, I haven't necessarily said this out loud, but I've said, how can humanity do these things to other human beings? I, 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 you know, I think I come to a place and say, I think I've seen everything that could be seen, and lo and behold, if something else doesn't occur, that just shocks you just once again. We deal with terrorism. We deal with this. Let me tell you how we deal with this. This has affected our children more than you can imagine because they have to deal with it. We, it affects us. The newest terrorism tactic, and this is being done in London now, is to throw acid into people's face or just throw it into the crowd. This is just heinous. This is just pure wickedness. This is evil in all of its shape and form. All of this. We see the antics and activities of these terror nations and just wonder what is going to happen next. We see our own country that seems to just stumble around, unable to make decisions, unable to unable to chart a course that is good for a nation, that is good for a people. And we see all of these things happening. And, and it makes you want to almost, uh, you know, run into the house, lock the door, and turn off the lights, and hope nobody finds you. But that's not what God wants, is it? God wants us to set a light on a hill, God wants us to be the salt of the earth. And you can't do that in a closed house with the lights off. Paul says here, and let me tell you something, Rome wasn't an easy culture to live in. There was a lot of stuff going on that uh, if you look into history, you'd just be stunned at what was happening in this culture. And Paul was a part of it. <clears throat> and... and uh, uh, idolatry had taken over large, huge areas. 
of, uh, of the people and everything like this. This was a bad time. And yet Paul says this, a great door and effectual has opened unto me. I want you to understand, take this out of the room today. God opens doors. God opens doors. As a matter of fact, in some places, he says, I'm going to open a door that nobody's going to shut. And when God opens a door, I believe God has organized some people to walk through that door. I don't think he opens those doors just to open a door. I believe he's already been working behind the scenes, getting things ready, moving people into position, looking forward, and when the door opens, they're ready to go. Rick and Diana Lang have been supported by this church for a long time. Joan and I have known them. Uh, Rick was my first youth pastor. I think we've known them for around 37 years or 38 years or something like that and, and followed their ministry very closely. About 25 or 26 years ago, God called them to foreign mission service and they've been doing that ever since. They are career missionaries. They are the real deal. And their first assignment was in 1988 and they, they took their young family to Vilnius, Lithuania, which is in the uh, kind of a, what I would call Eurasia, northern Eurasia. And they were in Vilnius, Lithuania. And I know Rick says, we had to learn the language, we didn't have anybody to help us, and all of these things, but we learned it. We got it. And we figured it out. And then, something else happened. You see, this is God working behind the scenes. Because God was going to do something that was absolutely one of these things, the talk of the century thing. And that was in 1989, one year later, when the Soviet Union collapsed. And Rick says, I think the next day, my family and I were on a train to Moscow. And from there to Siberia. And for everything you've ever heard about Siberia, it's true. And there they took their family, and they established a work for God. And that work continues to grow. It's, a, it's amazing how that work has grown. There are lots of churches out there, great evangelical churches. And from Siberia, they come when, and this is the continued chaos over there in the old Soviet Union, they come into the Ukraine and they establish work there and then they come to the southern part where it's virtually 100% Muslim and they establish a tremendous work there. Reaching people. God is at work. God is at work. I got an email this week from Rick. He says, well, we're on the move again. We're leaving the Ukraine. I thought, oh, yeah, you know, you're around 62, 63, you're probably going to retire. He says, no, we're moving to Cuba because God opened the door. You see that? God opened the door. And he needed somebody like the Langs. They're going to have to learn a new language. I would hate to do that. I couldn't get it right when I was in college. And now at my age, it'd be pathetic. God opens doors. 
Paul saw this as a place to serve God. He saw it as a place where people's lives are going to be changed. He saw it as a place where the power of the Holy Spirit was going to literally propel Paul through this open door, much as he would the Langs and all of these things here. I want to talk about that door for just a moment here, just very briefly. First of all, <clears throat> when you read this, if you just read it, uh, just the words only, and don't dig into it a little bit, you might not be able to find this. But the word for door here, it's an interesting word. It's a great door. And the term for great here is where we get our word mega. You know, there's mega everything, isn't there? There are mega, mega sales and mega hamburgers and mega. Lots of mega going on. That's exactly what is said here. A great door, a mega door is open unto me. And it came open. And Paul says, I'm ready to walk through this door. Paul is saying the door open to him is not just somebody waiting at the open door, but it's already open, it's wide open, and the opportunities, the opportunities are amazing. Paul went through this door, you know that? You know that? And you've got to kind of correlate this with the book of Acts just a little bit. Because after he got in there, he started preaching the gospel. Guess what happened? What normally happens to Paul when he starts preaching the gospel? How many know? He goes to jail. He goes to jail. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, actually, before he went to jail, uh, uh, before he went to jail, he created a riot. Then he went to jail. And that's the normal progression of Paul's ministry here. He created this riot, or I should say the Spirit of the Lord created the riot, and Paul was the guy that got to spend a few nights in jail here. Paul describes this door as an effectual door. Um, that word effectual is actually where we get our word energy. And it's not just... It's not just an energy door. It means this is talking about a door that is forceful, that is active, that God is opening it up. And when he opens up, it's not just something static. Something is happening. Something is going on that is literally God-sized. I've been thinking about VBS so much this week. And here's what I believe. I believe what is going to happen in those Sunday school rooms all over this church, in those buses, over in that shop there where they're making, um, I think, picnic tables or something, or whatever they're doing. Please don't have any kid walk the plank this year. I don't think our insurance can handle that. These guys, you've got to watch them, and they blame it all, all onto the Holy Spirit. So, and I'm not planting any ideas either. I lost my spot. But uh, you know what? I tell you what, I think what God is doing in those Sunday school rooms and all over this church, all over this place, all over this place, is more powerful, more important than the greatest corporate strategy session that could be occurring in anybody's boardroom across America. Because I'll tell you why. Because it's God-sized. And something else, it's all about eternity. We're not talking about just Monday morning. 
We're talking about eternity. We're talking about the involvement of kids' lives and teens' lives into the things of God and the process of eternity. Finally, I want to just say this. Not only is this great door, it's open, but there's a disturbance at the door. I don't know whether you realize this, but every time you take a step of faith to do something for God, and I don't care what it is, it could have been in giving the offering, you say, this Sunday we're going to start tithing. Guess what's going to happen? You're going to get a bill. Unexpected bill, you didn't know it. And, and if you hadn't put in your tithe check, you could have paid that bill. The adversary likes to do stuff like this. The adversary likes to throw roadblocks. The adversary likes to put up barriers and boundaries and all of these things. The enemy likes to say, let's employ human reasoning in this thing and let's just reason this thing out. When really what God wants to do is say, let's pray this thing out and find the mind of God in this whole deal and see what God wants us to do and see how he wants us to do it. And so there is an adversary, and the devil is not about to lie back, go down and sit on the sidelines while we do some good things for God and see some kids get saved or plant a church or see people brought into hope and to heaven. He's not going to just sit back and say, oh my goodness, I can't do anything here. He'll throw the kitchen sink at you. Paul faced these adversaries all through his ministry. Sometimes they came from the outside world and, and who would try to vase, place these roadblocks. Sometimes they came from religious people too. Religious people that had become stale in their faith. And they just wanted to sit back and, hey, let me take it easy. Let me take it comfortable here. Don't get me involved. I'd rather co- coast and criticize than actually roll up my sleeves and say, show me where I can work. Show me how I can serve. Show me what you think God has for me. And there are discouragements from within, too. I love what Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 19 says. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. Amen. And the enemy does come in like a flood. He does come in. He doesn't necessarily... In, in a stealth mode kind of creep under the door sill he comes in and tries to bang that door and shut that door but the spirit of the Lord raises up a standard Jesus said this to his disciples in Matthew chapter 16 I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it that's quite a statement the gates of hell shall not prevail against it And the neat thing about this is you and I are a part of that church. You know that? That word church is a word that you should have heard by now. It's a word ecclesia. It means the called out ones. That's who you are. You're a part of what God is talking about here. The called out ones. People called out from the world unto God. And we've been given an assignment. Not just to warm the pew, but to reach the lost, to touch communities, to minister to VBS crowds, all of those things, everything, whatever it takes.
Paul was chosen. The opportunity to serve God is a great thing. And there's a calling and there's a chosenness and there's an opportunity to advance the kingdom of God. As I mentioned, we always walk through these doors by faith. Sight might be okay, but it's going to take faith. And expecting the power of God to remove the barriers or else <clears throat> show us how to get around them or over them or whatever. And it's God that works. I'm sure there's a lot of people. There may be people here too. I don't know. To think having a church and a high school auditorium is about as dumb as I've ever heard. I want you to know something this morning. All over America today, there are thousands of churches. I'm not exaggerating a bit. There are thousands of churches right now that are meeting in high school auditoriums, in high school gymnasiums, and I don't know what venue they're meeting in. I know a church at Clinton is meeting in a warehouse this morning, along with 650 other people. God is building his church. He's building his church. And some of the traditional things that we see today and we appreciate and I appreciate, he's also doing other things in addition to that. Let me close with this word. I've talked about open doors. I want to talk about a door that is closed and not even God can open it. It's a door that's closed and not even God can open it. This door is described for us in Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 which simply says, I stand at the door and knock. If any man would hear my voice and open this door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. That's what the word says. Solomon did this right when he painted this. Because if you examine that door, there is no latch on the side where Jesus is knocking. No latch because the latch is on the inside. And whoever's on the inside is the one that has to open the door and allow him to come in. God doesn't force his way in to my life or your life either. He may put up all kinds of barriers. He may cause circumstances to occur that uh, are strong and everything else. But I can tell you one thing, he will never force his way into your life. Never. You are the person that has to hear that knock and open the door. You turn the latch and you open that door. That's how he comes in, into our life. Every person in this building, every individual in this building came through an open door 
You walked in there, you may have walked in there, and some of the door. But you came in a door. That's how Christ comes into our lives. I'm going to pray in just a moment here. <clears throat> and we're going to ask Christ to come into people's lives. I believe he wants to. I believe he desires to, to really engage your life. Your life. And make a difference in your life. I just, I just think there's somebody here that you're facing some stuff, some mountains in your life. And, and I don't know what's all that's going on and everything like that. He knows your pain. He knows what you're going through and all of these things. And he wants to open the door, wants you to open that door so he can come and make a, make a difference in your life. So let's pray together. Bow your heads with me. Father, I thank you so much for this day and <clears throat> all that's been going on and all that's happened. Father, I pray that you'll take this word and allow the power of this word and the power of the Holy Spirit now to actually do the knocking. The knocking on somebody's heart, some of the door to their life. Somebody needs to say yes to Jesus this morning. Somebody needs to simply say, I, I need to quit this running. I need to quit this thing that I'm in. I, I need to stop. I need to let God have a chance in my life. I need to allow Christ to transform me. I need a new heart. And I need that now. Before I can have a new life, I've got to have a new heart. So, Father, I pray for somebody today. I pray earnestly, earnestly that they will truly pray, Jesus, come into my life. Come in right now. I admit that I am a sinner. And I can't save myself. I made lots of mistakes. I've done lots of stuff. But I ask for forgiveness. I repent of my sin. Jesus, come into my life. Change my life. I believe on you and only you for my eternal salvation. I believe you died for me and you rose from the dead. Today, in this church service, right now, in this moment, Jesus, come into my heart. Come in today. Be my Savior. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.